Welcome to the Peace of Mind podcast hosted by the National Centre for Mental Health. I'm the Communications Manager, Catherine Hopkins, and we're based in Cardiff today. But the uh, centre is made up of the universities of Cardiff, Bangor and Swansea, and we're looking into the causes behind mental health conditions. At NCMH, we currently have several studies open, um, but today we're looking at the UK Minds Project. Uh, it's a new study hosted by NCMH, which is looking to recruit thousands of volunteers to learn more about the causes of conditions like schizophrenia, psychosis, bipolar disorder and dementia. If you're interested in learning more, it's at ncmh.info forward slash sign hyphen up. We'll give those details again later and in the description. Um, but today we've got Dave with us, who following his bipolar disorder diagnosis at 57, uh, volunteered with NCMH to share his story and later became involved in the UK Minds team, uh, helping to shape the research by sharing his experience of bipolar, as well as his skills from his background in project management. You can hear a little bit more about Dave's story in our previous episode, um, but today he's here to share his experience of what it's like to actually take part in the research. Joining me and Dave today is Emily, who is one of our senior psychology assistants at the National Centre for Mental Health. She is part of the field team that actually goes out face to face uh, to meet with the people who volunteer uh, for our research. Emily, would you mind if I come to you first, uh, just to kind of tell us about what it's like to take part, um, I guess, as the person running the interview in a study and, and what somebody could expect? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm relatively new to the NCMH. We started back in April. There's about 10 of us who do this, so I can only talk from my experience, not from sort of the overall. Um, But in terms of what people can expect, we'd normally give them a call to see if they're eligible for study, see if they're interested, have a little bit of talk about where they're from um, and any diagnoses they might have. And then if we're good to move forward, then um, we'll book in a time to either do an in-person or a over-the-phone um, interview and consent form. So we'd start the process with a consent form, which is a bit lengthy, but just making sure they know exactly what they are signing up to. And then we do our interview, which lasts 15 minutes to an hour, depending on how chatty that person is, or depending on you know, what their diagnosis is, actually has a big part to play as well. So the assessment's split into three parts, a bit about de- depression, a bit about bipolar, and then um, some stuff to do with psychosis. So it depends on how many of those diagnoses they've received. They might have more or less to say. And then finishing off then, we do a blood sample, which is actually what we've done today, which is um, why Dave has come to visit us in person today. So he, he did great. So thank so you very did much. You. So <laughs> did you, Emily, in extracting the 10 points of blood. No, <laughs> It's not 10 pints of blood just for everybody listening. (laughs) Um, And yeah, Dave, has it been kind of quite an enlightening process for you to kind of be involved in this kind of stuff? Yes, it's been been wonderful actually, Kat, because I had an insight as a project team member as to the process, but I hadn't really appreciated how comfortable people like Emily actually made me as a participant. So um, as she said already, the process literally was to run through a number of set questions which she did wonderfully make me feel very much at my ease. And it was interesting what you just said about how long the interviews can take. I expect I'd probably chatted <laughs> so, so I might have been towards the, the higher end of the scale. But no, it was, it was um, very comfortable. So Emily was prepared to come out to, to my location, um, which I think made me feel a lot more easier. So I was in an in a environment that I was comfortable with, and, I, and I'm sure that will be the same with, with other participants. So um, it's, it was very comfortable and went at my pace, so Emily didn't rush me. She gave me thinking time. Because um, some of the questions, I think you'd say, I mean, you have to think about them, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't absolutely. really want an instant answer. You need to have to think back to when this might have been this and how many times you might have felt that. So I thought, enjoyed, is that a phrase I can say? Yes, I enjoyed it. It, it was lovely Fantastic. to think that you were helping um, 
you know, the, the study and what have you. So I did, yeah, I did enjoy it. And because again, that's down to me because she made it a very, very easy experience. So that was the first part. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember how long it took. Do you remember how long it took? About an hour, I it think. It was about an hour. So but I did, ch- did chat. <laughs> so you were the, you were the example so of the I maximum time. The maximum time. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't let it go once you do it. But no, it was, it was very enlightening as well to me as a project team member to understand that part of the process, which maybe I hadn't been quite as involved in. So I now got a far better understanding of the end-to-end process. So that's really one of the reasons why I agreed to do this, to, to make sure people would know really how easy it's been to be fair um because sometimes it can be oh i'm taking part in this this study or whatever what's going to be involved um and i think from the first contact as well the phone call's good having that first initial phone call and talking to someone so almost like you know them it's not like you just straight away you're going in to ask me loads of questions it's it's that chat thing so again another thing that i thought might be quite interesting how how do people originally get involved so how do they come through you so, cause I, so I would have known through a questionnaire website. How would I have originally have found out about it? Yeah, it's a really good question. And um, it's really varied, actually. So we use a couple of different research registries. So we work with Bipolar UK and they advertise the city for us and they get um, sort of expressions of interest that way. And then we give them a call and tell them a bit more about this specific study. And um, we also work with Joint Dementia Research, which is a similar process. So anyone who wants to do research, they can sign up with Joint Dementia Research. And if they're eligible, then that flags them to us. And then we get in contact to have a bit more of a chat. Um, and then we also contact people who've taken part in NCMH research before as well. So we look at our own database and we might recontact people who are happy to do more work with us. Um, and then for anyone who's sort of new to the process and aren't on any of those things, they can actually sign up via our NCMH um, website as an expression of interest there. And then that'll kind of come through to us. And then in due course, someone will be in touch, um, even myself or any of the big team we have working on the project. Do you want me to ask you a question? Did you get a question in my mind? Oh, of course. So- I'm obviously looking at it from the bipolar angle. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking at it through the dementia angle, is mm-hmm. the process the same as the questionnaire similar? Is the time the same? That's that sort of thing. Yeah, it's really similar. I do say that the dementia interview does take a bit longer um, and it's a little bit more thorough because we kind of go through a lot of different symptoms that you typically see with dementia. So in that one, much like with the psych and the bipolar and the depression we'd ask about sort of mental health history a little bit physical history we go through when the symptoms started how they progressed and um, but in the cognitive decline and dementia questionnaire we talk a little bit more about actually how has that progressed has it been sudden or gradual mm. or is it a little bit of both and there's a almost like a patient history section which is a open part of the interview where we just have a conversation with the person to kind of find out about their own journey it's obviously it is unique to each person um, we have something similar in this, the psychiatric interview in that there's a comment section at the end, but in the dementia one, it's much more of a part of that interview mm. process to have a chat about that. Um, and then at the moment, we're not using it, but in the future, we're also looking to introduce a baseline assessment for the uh, cognitive decline and dementia questionnaire, which is the mocker, which some people might be familiar with. And it's just to try and get an idea of um how their memory is, how their daily function is. So that'll be added in in a couple of months' time as well. So broadly similar, but a few key differences mm. then. Mm. Okay. Do you want me to go on to the blood? Yeah. So Are you happy I, to talk about it? <laughs> I'm happy to talk about it. Very happy to talk. So this morning, um, Emily uh, and Danielle. Danielle. Emily took blood from me this morning. Again, because I'd already met Emily but by both the telephone call and also face-to-face, I think it makes 
that whole process a lot more comfortable, probably for her as well as me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we we knew each other, we could chat about things and what have you, couldn't we? And and uh, and it made it a lot more comfortable, I think. So that's great the way that's done in that order. So the actual process, um, again, I was made to feel very comfortable. I did it here, as as, as Kat said earlier. Um, and having two people in the room was really nice. So, and then mm-hmm. before I realised it, Emily had done what she had to do. So, <laughs> so it was it was a great, it's a lovely way of having two people in there to make to make um, make me feel comfortable. And the other thing that was lovely, and I know I'm quite inquisitive, but they explain what happens. So, for example, we had a little box in the corner. What's that? <laughs> and it was like the what you got the refrigerator. It's like a portable fridge. Yeah, sort Yeah. And I've got my own box. How special do I feel? <laughs> And I'm going to get courier to Oxford. I felt very smart, you know. So, so it, it's nice to understand what happens after the end of the. You know, it's not like it just disappears. Emily and explained the whole end-to-end process, which I really appreciated. And so, to kind of know your efforts are being taken very, yeah, very well. I've got my own special of. box. Yeah, I mean, exactly. what, what more can someone want? So no, but seriously, that does help. Mm-hmm. I feel well. It helped me. Hopefully, it'll help other people as well. So, so yeah, it was painless for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, Maybe a tiny bit of discomfort. Well, I think you called it a tiny scratch. I think that's the <laughs> official throat. Scratch. Sharp yeah. scratch. Sharp scratch. Which, um, no, it was It was really, and I can't uh, encourage people enough, mm-hmm. you know, uh, let's do what we can to help this research. And, uh, it, you know, it's a very little amount of my time. Um, and it was great to see Emily again face to face. Yeah. So it was really, very, very nice. Thank you. Model participant is Dave. It made it very easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, no, it was, it, honestly, it was a very easy process and the end-to-end process was was good because it's naturally staged isn't it the way the way you do it so it it made it it made it very easy i had one question considering you brought up the 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 opportunity to to give blood as part of the um part of the research um you know for some people that can be quite stressful and so i appreciate you talking about that today div um it sounds quite reassuring um but thinking of that and also just the fact that you're asking people to kind of delve into their kind of like Mm -hmm. history of uh, mental illness you know what kind of what things are in kind of place to kind of be supportive if it's quite triggering for people do you mind going into that a little bit yeah of course so and um, there's a few things in place it depends really if we're doing an in-person or a telephone interview that kind of differs the process as well so firstly when we're doing the first call so we call it our screening call to see if people are eligible and they want to take part um we do make it or we try to make it very clear, you know, we are asking for bloods and it's up to 10 small tubes, which sounds quite intimidating, but it's not as much as it sounds, I promise, Um, which is about 50 mil of blood that we're asking for. Um, It's just the one needle, though, so I usually tell people that to reassure them as well. And I do this from a very empathetic point of view because I myself am scared of needles. (laughs) Um, So I know where people are coming from when they're nervous. I get that completely. And I have had this done as a a test as part of my training as well. So I know where it's like. And honestly, it's not that bad. Mm. Um, And then we'd also talk during that screening call, just saying that we are going to be talking about mental health and some difficult times and just making sure people are feeling okay at the time to take part um, and that they kind of then know that it can be a bit upsetting. We then send out the information sheet, which is very detailed. I think it's seven pages. Mm. So people have a really good idea by the time they get to the interview of actually what's going to be going on. And then during the interview, I try and make sure that participants are there. If at any point they want to stop or pause or even cancel and come back to it, that's absolutely fine. Most people don't. They like to try and carry on through the process, but the option is always there. Um, And I know that all of us would, you know, rather rearrange than have anyone upset. That's the last thing that we want to do. 
Um, and then for the telephone interviews, it's pretty standard procedure that we send out a support sheet that has information about who to contact if you are feeling a bit upset, because obviously it does bring up some difficult memories. And for the in-person ones, it's typically been that we kind of see how that person is on the day, we see what kind of things we talk about, and then we can offer that further support there as well and give the sheet if need be. Um, but actually a really fantastic thing about working with Dave and him being able to give us feedback on the project is that would be useful for everyone anyway. So actually going forward, that is something I'm going to be doing, which is offering that support sheet to everyone, mm. because sometimes it's not until you're on your own reflecting back that that can seem difficult. Whereas in the moment, you might be just excited to take part. So yeah, I'd say those are our main supports at the moment, sending out information out, checking in participants as we're doing the interview and beforehand so they know what to expect. And obviously on the day of the bloods, we check again, are you still happy to do this, still happy to give the bloods? And uh, yeah. hopefully the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing I may add to that, um, when you receive the information, you can you can reflect on it, can't you? You can yeah. read it in your own time. It sounds a bit, seven pages, it sounds a bit, ooh, but you know you can read it in your own time and make sure you understand it. And then Emily's available if you've got any questions, or what does that bit mean? And mm-hmm. you can clarify for them, can't you? So, uh, you know, it, having that go out, I think it's it's a scene setter, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, so nothing's a surprise then on the day? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a really good point. We normally send it at least a few days before the yeah. interview as well, so... I typically give people about a week between that first call and, okay, have a read of this. We'll book you in for a date, but have a read, have a think. And then I'd send an email and say, are you still happy? Got any questions? And generally, people are pretty happy with the information in that sheet because mm. it tells you everything you need to know, really. Yeah. And you're available. Maybe that's the other reassurance that I got is that there's someone at the end of the phone if you if you need some clarification about something. Because sometimes we've got to include some language in there that the average person might not quite understand so so that's um you know that's that's helpful i mean um biological what's the right word gene sequencing anything anything like that (laughs) yeah Um, that maybe the average person might not might not understand and just having someone to say well can you clarify what that actually is and it's usually something quite simple isn't it it's just got posh name yes yeah which is why it's brilliant to have people like yourselves coming in because you know Mm. Amy and I working in this day to day yeah and you know even working in communications myself you know we still slip and you're kind of like that's very much jargon (laughs) that you know we might use day to day to make things a bit faster but actually to you know anybody in the public we can't expect (laughs) anybody who listening works in a certain industry every industry has its own jargons its acronyms yeah and things like that. And it's where I always find it quite amusing when certain acronyms are across different industries. And obviously the letters mean something completely yes. different in different yeah. industries. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's what we're trying to do is to try and make this as accessible to as so, many people as possible to get involved in. Yeah. So it's great to kind of, you know, have things pointed out yeah. to us. And, and stuff. the other thing is seamless. That's the other key word I'd mm-hmm. like to get across to people. It was it was a seamless, seamless process. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I've got my own special box. Yeah. Probably, as we speak, on its way to Oxford, is it? It may well be, actually. Yeah, yeah they're pretty quick. How special are we made to feel? Um, so I just had one more question for you both. Um, kind of taking part in the process, obviously, as a as a volunteer, um, kind of what were you hoping that the UK Mines Research will kind of achieve? Um, what I hope it will achieve is is that with my samples and many other samples and questionnaires and things that that um, the scientists, obviously, the, the scientific side will, will be able to identify some of the the linkages between all the people that participate. And obviously, the more people participate, the better the, the analysis will be able to be. And then if anybody can be helped in the future from the research that's done today, I will, I will be very, very happy if, if, uh, if just giving 
a little bit of blood and answering some of Emily's questions can help somebody else. That makes me feel very nice. Um, so yeah, so you d what I'm trying to say, you do definitely get some sense of um, feeling good out of it yourself, if you know what I mean. Think yeah. you've actually contributed to something. Yeah. And you meet Emily. <laughs> <laughs> He's very kind to yes. me. Isn't yeah. <laughs> look, you can see I've got my plaster. Look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Proof. Yeah. Proof. And I've got a good boy sticker as well. <laughs> I should have bought my stickers. I've got brain stickers actually. <laughs> oh. An old hang-up from my teaching days. <laughs> um. Yeah, in terms of, of what I'm hoping the project will achieve, it's such an incredible project to be a part of. It really is. I mean, at the NCMH, the big goal is to improve our understanding so that we can improve treatments. Throughout a lot of interviews, a lot of people go through so many different drug treatments before they find the one that works for them. And some people don't necessarily find the one that works for them. And then there's also the process. It takes a long time to get your diagnosis as well. And I've found that this can be particularly the case with bipolar. It's often mm. misdiagnosed to start with. So a big aim at the project is to try and improve both of those things, you know, by understanding mental health conditions better, by understanding what's common between each one and what might be different. Overall, over time, we're hoping to be able to treat symptoms that people have rather than necessarily the condition, mm. to be able to have um, the right drug for the right person at the right time. And, you know, the study's only in its infancy at the minute in the grand scheme of things, but I think if we keep sort of getting lots of people involved and do the best we can with it, it can really make a big difference to making sure that people get support as and when they need it. But more importantly, the right support for them as well. Because it can be so stressful for people going through that trial and error phase. If I may just pick up on quickly on something Emily said there about length of diagnosis mm -hmm. on bipolar. I know I'm extreme, but mine was 37 years. And I believe the average is nine, isn't it? Yeah. Something of that nature. And that's already bad time. enough. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not suggesting it's, no, no, no. it's good compared to mine. But, but if, you know, I joked with Holly on the last pod, if I'd met her when I was 18, I wouldn't have had the same yeah. life. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. same if I'd met Emily or you when I was 18. If this project was going back then, um, I'd have had a very different life. Yeah, totally different trajectory, I'd imagine. Mm. Yeah. Mm, so please get involved if you can. Thanks, Dave. Yep, echoing that. It's a huge project, hugely important project. And, you know, as many people as we can get involved, the better, um, just so we can make that difference in mental health for people who are affected by it. And actually, that's probably everyone um, through either mm -hmm. personal experience or someone you know. So just to sign off, to make sure that it's nice and clear how you can get involved, um, <laughs> the, the nice short link for the NCMH website is ncmh.info forward slash sign hyphen up. But we'll put all the links in the kind of uh, podcast on Spotify and iTunes and everything like that. But yeah, thank you so much for your time today, both. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, Dave.